good morning, everybody. How is it going today? I love what? <laughs> Somebody yell from the back. Um, I loved how Carissa said, aha, aha. That was my, I think that was my favorite part of the song. So anyway, good morning. Uh, welcome to the final week of our series, Things We Should Talk About More Often. Um, if you haven't had a chance to hear all of the teachings from the, from the series throughout, uh, go back to the beginning of August, I'd encourage you to do that. Um, we heard uh, about lots of topics in this series, topics that, that, um, that aren't just things that we should talk about more often. They are things that, that when we talk about them, uh, when we invest in our understanding of them, we find that, that what it does is it actually affects our faith in disproportionate ways. An example would be uh, on week one, uh, you might remember we heard from Janet Durker, who shared with us her life's work in, in the mission field, caring for the displaced and, and those most vulnerable around the world. And, you know, I, I found myself thinking, like, when I was listening to her, I personally may not be called to international mission work at, at the moment, um, but I do find that, that when I get serious about praying through matters of international mission, and specifically the refugee crisis, God starts opening up doors in my heart, rooms, uh, opening up doors to rooms where I had been harboring uh, either ignorance or, or, or bias. Uh, and then in week two, we heard from JP and Tara Conhert, who spoke to us about praying bold prayers. And, and we learned that, the, that this truth, that what prayer is really about is, is opening the doors of stubbornness and doubt and, and aligning our hearts with God's heart. And, and we come to God in prayer. When we come to God in prayer, we come to him uh, with adoration and confession and thanksgiving and supplication. And then we allow him to guide us back to true north. Um, this, this past week, I just got back from a conference uh, in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, and it was a good conference. It was a very good conference. Lots of, lots of great speakers. Uh, I was just a little disappointed, though. I didn't get to actually spend time like in Nashville proper. Didn't get to hear any like you know. I did gotten to hear a band. We had music at the conference, but I didn't get. I would have loved to like gone out to a like a bar or something and hear a band. Uh, the conference was all at this resort, which kind of sounds nicer than than it really is because you know most of the resort parts of the resort were closed, like the water park. I'm not bitter, but a quote that really struck me was said early on by this pastor from Las Vegas. I thought it was cool that they have pastors out in Las Vegas. That's probably a good place for them to be. Um, this, this guy, Judd Wilhite, he came out and he said, you know, if you don't allow God to transform your pain, you'll transfer it to the people around you. In other words, the more we tell God that our pain is, you know, our burden to bear, our burden alone, and we keep God, we try to keep God at, at arm's length, eventually what we're going to do is eventually we're going to hurt and, and distance ourselves from the people that we care most about in this world. Our spouses, our, our kids, our co-workers, our friends, other people in the church. We, when we fall for this lie that says that our pain is only hurting us, but the truth is that the more we sit in it, the more we fail to recognize it, the more we allow our pain to shape 
our identity, and that is not God's desire for our hearts. Um, The more we do that, the greater the chance we have that we might hurt someone that we never intended to hurt. So Carissa, just read Psalm 40, aha, aha, which is our text for this morning. Please turn there if you haven't already. Uh, Tradition says that Psalm 40 is a psalm of David. And we don't have time to, to look carefully at the whole thing but, but this morning, but, but check, out, check out the beginning of the psalm. Psalm 40, right at the beginning. I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. Have you ever, had, have you ever cried out to God? I mean, have you ever had a time where you, you cried in the presence of God? This, this psalm is about, a, about someone who was in that, in that, that pit, in that, um, that uh, what is called a, a pit of destruction out of a miry bog, and, and God heard the cry. Some preachers have talked about how, how the cry inaugurates history. If we think back about how, uh, like the story of Exodus, um, that, that before God acted in the life of, of his nation, Israel, who were enslaved, uh, God heard the cry of his people. That's, that's, that's kind of the imagery that we get here. I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and he did hear my cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog. He set my feet on the rock and he made my footsteps firm, secure. So, so what do we see here? We, we, first, we see a theme of patience, right? We see patience in the midst of trial. And the, and the image that the psalmist gives us is one of the pit of destruction, a miry bog, a, a sticky, nasty, muddy swamp. Have you ever been caught in the mud and, and like tried to get out? Maybe it was in your car, but maybe it was like you. I, I remember one time, I was in the fifth grade. I think I was in the fifth grade. And, and we went up to uh, Genesee Valley. I think it's in like Parkton. And it was a school field trip. And this is like one of those parks where you can like do like ropes courses and, and rocks wall, rock walls and like team building exercises and stuff like that. I remember it was a rainy day, but it kind of had cleared up a bit. So we had started being able to like go on the, on the equipment and, and we all came to this, this rope bridge thing that had this like, because it had been raining, this, this swamp of like muddy nastiness underneath of it. Um, uh, all the group leaders they started to talk about as we started climbing up on this thing is like they wanted to mention how, how they want everybody to be really careful now because, because it's been raining. Uh, it would be awful if somebody went down in that mud. Now, I got a little Chandler Bing in me. I want to get the laugh. I want attention. So I was hoping that someone, everybody was hoping that someone would go in the mud. So I decided to be that guy. Ooh, it'll be great. Watch this. I'll go. Everybody will laugh. It'll be great. So I get to the middle of, you know, this thing, and I slip and fall in an attempt to just get attention. I just wanted attention. And the next thing I know, I'm lying now in the, you know, like a foot of slimy mud and rain, and I have to figure out a way how to get out. Of course, you know, I regret this action as soon as I did it, because first you have to figure out a way to stand up. And then you have to make your way to the side of the thing with the mud weighing you down as you're walking through the mud and, and, and people have to help you out of it. So, of course, they're helping you out and they're getting muddy. 
I don't preach, and it's wet, and you keep slipping, and it's just made for a very unpleasant day. Because here's the thing, you don't just get a little bit of mud on you. If you fall in the mud, it just gets everywhere. But, but it's a very different feeling as you're trampling through the mud and then someone helps to lift you out onto a rock, onto a paved path, onto the shore. There was a 5th century monk. I read a lot of 5th century monks. Uh, named Cassidorius who said this of of Psalm 40. This is his commentary on Psalm 40. He says, Just as mud in a lake is foul-smelling and oppressive, so the sins of people are slimy, for they smell foul and drown us with their weight. But then, God sets our feet on a rock when we walk in the commands of the Lord Christ, for he is our spiritual rock and and that does not allow us, uh, allow the feet planted on it to sink. I mean, that's a powerful image, isn't it? As you're trying to get out of the mud, it, it feels like every step just could get worse. And as you're trying to get out, it feels like everything could get worse, but then you're placed on a rock and it's a whole different perspective. It's a whole different experience. The, the problem is, we like it in the mud. It's fun there, at least for a moment, at least for a time. See, I wanted the attention from being the guy who fell in the mud, and I got it. But then I had to get out of it, which was a much bigger problem than I anticipated. And then there was another quote at, at this conference later on. This was um, Craig Grishel, who's a mega church pastor. He gets up there and he says, hey, guys, let's be honest. Sin is fun, at least for a time. I mean, if sin wasn't fun... Either you're lying, or you didn't do it right. But it doesn't take long for it to not be fun anymore. Eventually, you realize that you're just wallowing in the mud without a way out. You feel stuck. You feel like, as the psalmist says, you feel like you're in a pit of destruction, as in miry clay. And you begin to feel that if, if you don't get help soon, you might drown. We often quote the Galatians passage about the fruit of the Spirit. But we should never forget the passage that comes right before it. In Galatians 5, starting in verse 19, listen to, listen to how Eugene Peterson from the message, listen, listen to how the message translates this. It's obvious, Paul says, what kind of life develops out of trying to get your own way all the time. Repetitive, loveless, cheap sex, a stinking accumulation of mental and emotional garbage, frenzied and joyless grabs for happiness, trinket gods, magic show religion, paranoid loneliness, cutthroat competition, all-consuming yet satisfied, yet never satisfied once, a brutal temper, an impotence to love or to be loved, divided homes and divided lives, small-minded and lopsided pursuits, listen to this, the vicious habit of depersonalizing everyone into a rival, uncontrolled and uncontrollable addictions, ugly parodies of community, Facebook, I could go on. Paul says, this isn't the first time I have warned you, you know. 
If you continue, this always was about freedom. Galatians is the big theme of Galatians. It's all about freedom. If you continue to use your freedom this way, you will not inherit God's kingdom. See, the, the mud of sin is thick. It sticks to us. It stinks with our own selfishness. And when we refuse to deal with it, we hurt ourselves. We hurt the ones we care most about. And maybe worst of all, when we refuse to deal with the mud, when we refuse to deal with sin, it keeps us from living the life that God intended us to lead. It, it keeps us from being the person that he created us to be. But, but, but please hear me on this, friends. When I talk about the mud of sin, I'm not talking to like those of you who struggle with sin or those of you who've struggled with sin in the past. I'm talking to all of us. All of us get caught in the mud. One of the most important principles that you can understand, anyone can understand, that we can understand when studying the Bible, is the principle of now and not yet. I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the pit of destruction and set my feet on the rock. See, that's written in past tense. But God desires it not just to be something that happened back then, although if it did happen back then, you're going to want to talk about it. We're going to talk about that in a second. But that's written in the past tense. But it, God desires that to be a present reality and a future reality. All of us have, have some areas in our lives where we're stuck in the mud. And to take the analogy a step further, maybe some of us have been helped out of the swamp. We've planted our feet. We've been placed. We feel like we've been placed by Christ on the rock. But we haven't cleaned up the mud yet. See, I think that Jesus is calling us to a better way of life. He says, you know, come to me. All of you who are weary and heavy laden. And I will give you rest. I mean, what is he saying? He's, he's, he's not just standing on the rock. He is the rock. And he's reaching out his hand to those of us in this miry pit of destruction. And he's saying, take my hand, son. Take my hand, daughter. You, you don't have to live like this anymore. I mean, listen to how the message quotes the second part of that text. But, but what happens... When we live God's way, he brings gifts into our lives much the same way that fruit appears in an orchard. Things like affection for others, exuberance about life, serenity. We develop a willingness to stick with things, a sense of compassion in heart, and a conviction that a basic holiness permeates things and people. We find ourselves involved in loyal commitments not needing to force our way in life, but able to marshal and direct our energies wisely. That, that's a picture of true freedom. That's the life that, is, that God is calling us to. That is the rock that he desires to place us on. But we need to ask ourselves, what we, need to, we, need, we should ask ourselves is, is there any area of our lives where we've been saying to ourselves, I'm happy in the mud for now. After all, you know, sinful patterns are hard to break. And I've done an awful lot of bad things in my past. I mean, here's the truth, friends. I am up here today to tell you that there is nothing 
in your past that God cannot redeem. He knows all of it. In fact, he knows more about your sin than you do. He knows about all of it, and he still went to the cross to die for it and declare victory over it. There is no pain that he cannot transform. There is no sin that he cannot help you break free from. There is no mud so thick that he cannot lift you out and place you on the rock. It's not a magic trick. It takes patience. As the psalm says right up front, but, but, but please don't fall for the lie that, that says that you have to live in the mud forever. Jesus loves you, he's crazy about you, and he's heartbroken over the fact that you're in that pit of destruction. He literally loves you to death, and he wants a better life for you. He actually wants life from you. I mean, remember that the the reason why God is angry with your sin is not because you broke a rule. It's because sin hurts someone that God cares deeply about, you. Psalm 40 continues, he said, He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to God. Many will see and fear, put their trust in the Lord. Uh, Isaiah 43 puts it this way. Thus says the Lord, behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? Don't you see it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. See, God desires to do a new thing in your life. He desires to put a new song on your lips. It's been said that this new song that Psalm 40 speaks about, um, it's, a, it's a song, the Hebrew word that's, that's used to describe this is a, is, is a song, um, this new song is a song that doesn't rhyme. It's a spontaneous song of pure and undiluted truth that comes from the depths of our soul, uh, and it can only be sung by you. Because it's your song. Behold, God says, I am doing a new thing. It springs forth. Don't you see it? No one else can sing your song but you. No one else. Hear this. No one else can give God your praises. We can tell each other stories. But at some point, the only person who can truly share what God has done in your life is you. The psalm later says, I have not hidden your deliverance within my heart. I have spoken of your faithfulness and of your salvation. I have not concealed your steadfast love and your faithfulness from the great congregation. As for you, O Lord, you will not restrain your mercy from me. Your steadfast love and faithfulness will will ever uh, preserve me. The point is this. God's not going to stop being faithful. He's not going to stop pouring his love and mercy into you. You have them. And they are new every morning. The question is, are you willing to sing the song that he's given you to sing? Are you willing to say to others, I was stuck in the mud. I could barely stand up. I was blind and lost and weighed down by poor decisions and pain. I hurt others, and I have been hurt by others. I feel like I was going to drown. I waited patiently for the Lord, but then he inclined. With a mighty hand, he inclined, and he heard my cry. 
He lifted me out of this pit of destruction, out of the muddy, miry clay, and then he put my feet on the rock. He made my footsteps firm. He has placed a new song on my lips, one of new creation, one of resurrection. Many, many will see and fear the Lord. Lots of people will have their own God story to tell, but no one else can sing the song that God has given me to sing because no one else has lived my life. No one else can speak of the faithfulness of God's salvation in my life but me. I, this is a song that I have to sing. No one else can give God my praises but me. But here's the thing. Before you go thinking I'm only talking about some kind of individualistic salvation message here. The, the thing about songs, friends, is that they're meant to be heard. They're meant to be heard by God. That's worship. But they're also meant to be heard by each other, by others. When you sing this new song, the only song that you can sing, when you share your story as only you can tell it, when you talk about how God lifted you out of the pit, it matters to your neighbor, it matters to your kids, it matters to your spouse, it matters to your church, it matters to your neighbor because perhaps it gives them strength to take whatever the next step is that they need to take towards God. Sometimes this new song is called a testimony. It's a telling of, of, of the faithfulness of God in our lives. But as Psalm 40 does, with honesty, it begins with a conversation about this pit, about this miry clay that we were in before Christ found us. So, as I turn 40 today, and I come around this like bend in my life. I'm overwhelmed at how God has worked in my life over the past four decades, and in large part because of New Hope Community Church, that's how God has worked. And over the years, I've found myself in the, in the deepest mud and on the highest mountains. I, I have felt God's mercy when I haven't gotten the awful things that I totally deserved. And then I've also felt his grace when I did get these things of incredible joy that I, I don't feel like I in any way deserved. I mean, as it, as it says in Lamentations, that the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercy never comes to an end. They are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It is good that, that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. The psalm says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to hear my cry, but today, <laughs> it's funny, at 40, I am overwhelmed with gratitude of how patient God has been with me. The truth is, I haven't been quick to come out of the mud. I still have plenty of it on me. I've been stubborn and selfish, foolish and disobedient, but through it all, he has remained faithful. His mercies truly are new every morning because each day he reminds me that living out this life of salvation is not just a flick of a switch. It's a journey that will not end until he comes. It won't end completely until he comes. And, and even then, that's only going to lead to new adventures. So, so as I turn 40, I think about this new song that God wants me to sing. And I think it's a song of anticipation. 
I'm eager for what God could do in the midst here, in our midst here at New Hope. I'm eager with anticipation to give the second half of my life to the work of the kingdom. I want to, to lean into my role as a husband, as a father, as a pastor, as a friend. I want to build into the next generation, but I also want to encourage the current generation towards God's best for their lives. I want to give my life to the gospel because it's the only thing worth living for. But to do that, I believe that we have to have our eyes wide open to the realities of the world that we find ourselves in. We name that pain and we we believe that, that even in that, even in this, God will be faithful. In order to allow God to transform our pain, we're going to need to name it. A few months ago, Amy and I got to see Jimmy Buffett in concert. And all I can say about that is that it was a time of pure joy. It was great music, great fun. It was a great crowd. Buffett shows are very colorful with lots of images of beaches and oceans and parrots and all that. But, but my favorite part of the show was the end. Not because it was the end, but anyway. I was very grateful that he closed the show solo with the lights dimmed and he played this song called A Pirate Looks at Forty. This song, it paints the picture of a man who was hungry for more it begins, Mother, Mother Ocean, I have heard you call. Wanted to sail upon your water since I was three feet tall. You've seen it all. You've seen it all. Watch the men who rode you switch from stale to steam. And in your belly you hold the treasures few have ever seen. And most of them dream. Most of them dream. So, Later in the song, the man refers to himself as an over-40 victim of fate, and he, he references hitting rock bottom. And the song kind of ends with this depressing note. It, it, it ends with him saying, I, I feel like I've drowned. But it's funny how it begins with this anticipation. It begins with him, this hunger. It begins with him being eager for more. But as it says in the psalm, for, for evils have encompassed me beyond number. My iniquities have overtaken me, and I cannot see. They are more than the hairs of my head. My heart fails me. See, see this song for me is a reminder of, of an honest expression of someone caught in miry clay once again. Because it's not just like, you know, the time that, that Jesus saved me, and then now he set me on a rock, and now I live my life, the rest of my life, sin-free and problem-free and pain-free and I never wander back into the swamp. No, it's just not true. We all find ourselves wandering back in and Jesus is continually faithful to say, no, no, no. I've called you into a better way. I've called you to live a life on me, on the rock of my salvation. So actually, my favorite version of A Pirate Looks at 40 is one that Jimmy Buffett did with his, his live band. And he gets to this point in the song, it's actually this, I think it was a concert that he just did with like him and a handful of people on a beach and he had this people crowded around him on a beach. It's really cool. But he gets to this, the point where the song normally ends and when he says that final line, I feel like I've drowned, a female vocalist comes in immediately. And starts singing Bob Marley's redemption song. Won't you help to sing 
these songs of freedom because all I've ever had is redemption songs. Redemption songs. It's just a repeated reminder that, that we find ourselves caught at a miry clay at any point, weak and desperate and feeling like we're about to drown, but God is our God of salvation. We have a responsibility to sing that song the only way that we can sing it. Our hands are made strong by the hands of the Almighty. So won't you help to sing these songs of freedom? Because the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. All we ever have, the life that we have been living, this life is a life of a redemption song. It's a ballad. It's a new song. Let me pray for us. Father, we give our lives to you this morning. We acknowledge these realities of being stuck in the miry clay in this pit of destruction. We're waiting patiently for for you to hear our cry. I'm sure that there's someone here today who feels like, gosh, I've been crying out to God and it doesn't, doesn't feel like he's been hearing me. May we be a gathering today. May we be a church to remind each other that God has heard your, your, their cry. God has heard that cry. He desires to step in to, to, to the lives of, of men and women and children and families in our community. He desires for the church to be the church for this broken world. He desires to lift us out of this pit of destruction. He desires to help clean this mud off of us. And help live a life worth living. A life of love and joy and peace. Of patience and kindness and goodness. Of faithfulness and gentleness and and self-control. Because that's what freedom looks like. Freedom is not sin. Although sin feels good for a moment. It feels good to, to live out of our own selfishness for the moment. But then we realize we're hurting ourselves. And we're hurting others. Father, help us to be a people who... Find true north in you. Help us to remind us that when we live into your faithfulness, that's the only way to really live. Lord, we give our lives to you this morning. We give everything we are to you. And we desire to sing a new song to you and to the world. In the most holy name of Jesus Christ, amen.